Welcome to episode 585 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode, I've got to put up the number here, John, episode 585 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Said the not afternoon. Long, not long to Conan now. Wow, so is this is this the show we do before the race or is it two weeks? No, no, we've got another another week week to go, but the countdown is on. People will be arriving in Kona later on this week. There'll be plenty of people that are already there, but um, the countdown is on. Nick, next week we'll be uh, we'll be looking at the contenders and and see who else we can get on the show. But it's it's always a bit different for us when we're doing it from from home, not being over in Kona. Got to say, um, it's it's for those people who get to go to Kona early, it's a really interesting experience, isn't it? Because they they kind of get there when it's still quiet, mm-hmm. and then you know the probably the most fascinating experience would be probably there ten days before the race and maybe a week after the race, and just mm-hmm. see just the swell of people come in and then swell of them disappear after the race as well. Absolutely. What's the longest you've been there for a race? Uh, I think the Philinator and I were there probably, as you said, about maybe ten-ish days before. I think we would have got there maybe the Friday before, so maybe not quite ten, maybe sort of eight to nine days. But we've been over there regularly for the 70.3, which is which is a, a relatively quiet time. So, yeah, fully aware of the zoo that it becomes and uh, and also what it's like when it's not the zoo. Okay, John, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few of them, John. The Time Lord, Craig McCarthy. Anthony, The Force. Oh, that's a good one. Lucas. And Sweet Justice, David Sobel. Sweet Justice. Okay, guys, in this week's show, it's a little bit different because I'm actually over in Amsterdam now, and we've pre-recorded this on Saturday. So we've got a couple of interviews in. So we've got a little bit of news. We're going to have a quick look at Kona. And then we've got two interviews. Do you want to name mm-hmm. them? Oh, well, I've got Daniel Clark, who's an up-and-coming pro and also a listener of the show and also the creator of one of John's favorite websites. Absolutely. I love it. So I'll be using this website um, a fair bit next week as well as uh, I use it just re- really regularly because Torsten's stuff is absolutely fantastic. What I love about Daniel's website, trysplits.com, is basically an index of – Ironman athletes and Ironman races and you can go and see their history of uh, where they've done all their Ironman racing so you know for example I can go and click on you might you know you, you often go to me oh what what's is that that person's been pretty quiet this year yeah. uh, and on his home page there he's got you know the the top 10 athletes from last year uh, recently added races and I was having a bit of a scan through this yesterday actually because um, you know just having a look through who raced last year in Kona in the top 10 and what they've been up to in the last year. And I'll talk a bit more about this next week. But, you know, for example, let's pick someone out of here. Andy Boucher, who's uh, he had a fantastic race there last year when he finished in fifth place. Uh, and it's got his Ironman Frankfurt result from this year and all his other Ironman races that he's done. So um, really good reference points. So it's trysplits.com. 
Yeah, really good. So we talked to him, but we also get Miranda Carfrey on the show. And uh, it, was, it was actually a really cool talk. I did the interview and she's just talked a lot about kind of being a mum or, or at least the pregnancy process for a pro athlete. And it's pretty, you, I think you guys really enjoyed the interview. She's got a really, she had a really good insight and a good kind of perspective around that time. But you'll hear about that all later on in the show, guys, because we're going to be talking about some news, John. So let's, there's not a huge amount of news because we're recording early, but we thought we'd talk a little bit about you know, what's happening in Kona? Yeah, so I thought we'd just look back at last year's results because next week we'll be looking at all the contenders and what they've been up to in the last 12 months or so. So I sort of thought we'd run down the top 10, top 10 males and females. And I guarantee most of you guys won't be able to recall. Well, so wait, wait, okay, wait, I, I haven't looked. You haven't okay. looked? Okay, so give me, okay, so. 10th so, place in males. Oh, 10th place. He's a, he's a former winner. Or was it um, um, uh, Freddie Van Leerd? Yes, it was. Okay. So he swam 48. He How about I go the other way? I'll go Frodo, Keenley. Mm-hmm. Was it Patrick Lang? Yes. Then was it um, Hoffman? Yes. Then... You're looking, you cheating no, oh, no, Seriously not. I seriously <laughs> am not. I, I swear on my life I'm not. I, yeah. swear, I swear on my daughter's life I'm not. And then the fifth, was it someone like, oh, was it um, O'Donnell? Oh, close. He was sixth. Oh, There's another okay. German in fifth. Another German. Another uh, the fourth German. Who would that be, John? I just mentioned his name before. Who did you say before? Andy Boucher. Oh, no, I wouldn't have got that. Another German in seventh place. Who was that? Boris Stein. There was Potts eighth, was he? No, no. Potts was... Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll go into Potts in a moment. Okay. Eighth place. He won a, a big race this year. So it's wrote. So, uh, who won wrote this year? Um, I was there. Um, who won it? Um, I've got totally so blank. Simpsons. Simpsons name. One of the children. Simpsons children. Oh, but um, Arnold's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then a Spaniard in ninth. Big yeah. Buffy here. I don't know who is it. Ivan Rana. Oh, Rana. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And we hit tenth. You already said tenth. Yeah, Freddie Van Leer. So that was the rundown. Now, what's interesting is on Torsten's rating, and I will say you guys should go and get the Kona 2017 rating report um, off there, really as your race day guide leading into the race. If you're going to be watching a lot of it and you want to know who's who, go and check it out. Torsten's actually going to be in Kona this year, which can be fantastic. We'll have him on the show next week and probably after the race. He's never been there before. Uh, he's over there putting his feet up at the moment, and uh, I think he's in Maui or Waikiki. And and uh, he's going to head over to the Big Island. So that was your top 10 from last year. It was Freddie Van Laird in 10th, and it'd be interesting to see what he can do this year. He's such a steady, eddy racer, um, and if anybody falters, you know, he's the guy that really could take advantage. Ivan Rana, I think he's past his prime, but he's, you know, he's ninth, and he could... I think in the top 10 is about as good as he can he can hope for. Uh, then you had an eighth place, Bart Arnott. So all these guys were very, very close. There was only eight seconds between Freddie Van Laird and Ivan Rana. And Ivan Rana must have, from memory, it was really close coming down uh, coming down Polani, but only eight seconds in it. Uh, Bart Arnott's was only another minute 20 up the road in eight hours, 20, 30. And then another really close race between Tim O'Donnell and Boris Stein. So Boris Stein was seventh, Tim O'Donnell was sixth. And there was 36 seconds covering those two. Uh, Then you drop down to another really close race between fourth and fifth. So Andy Boucher was 25 seconds down on Ben Hoffman. 
And then it, it started to become really close between second and third as well because Patrick Lang, as we recall, was on his record-setting run uh, and he got you know, pretty much within a minute of Sebastian Keenlay and then uh, who was in second and Jan Fredino was fairly comfortably off the front in first place. So that was your top 10 from last year. Uh, Andy Potts, you mentioned there, Bevan. Um, oh, high hopes for him. I've mm. actually got him as my one of my picks this year. Oh, have you really? I think, I think he's going to do it. He's, uh, he's a bit long in the tooth now, isn't he? He is, but, you know, if the, if the race dynamic goes his way and – if he can have that perfect race, I think he's capable of it, but he was 11th last year. So uh, the thing we do need to remember about Patrick Lynn, and he hasn't done that much this year, and, and actually Rudy and I were talking about him, he was a little bit injured, so it's hard to know if he's going to be a one-and-done kind of guy or, or if he can actually back it up. But he got a, he got a bite penalty last year as well, so if he didn't get that bite penalty, now you don't know that could have helped his run, but you know, definitely who knows what that could have meant for the overall race because he was only five minutes behind Frodo on the overall yeah. time. So yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you can say, uh, you know, maybe that penalty on the bike, and a, and a number of people did allude to that, could have really helped him in terms of just a mid-race recovery, yep. nutrition sort of settles. Mental and, recharge. And then you kind of just feel like, screw it, i got nothing to lose. Yeah. So uh, he did race in Ironman Frankfurt this year, and uh, and I think he got, he got a he either got a punch or a penalty over there, so he was only down the sixth, sixth place, but still went 7.52. It was a slightly short course um, because of the roadworks and stuff on the bike. He only ran a 2.49. So that is going to be one of the really interesting parts of the day for me is to see uh, what he can do and whether he can back it up because it's uh, – we, we see lots and lots of guys that and girls that have that one time on the podium and then you don't necessarily see them there again. Okay, John, and then the girls last year. I've actually seen the results now, so I can't. I can't lie to you, John. I'm an honest guy. Tenth <laughs> place, we had Carrie Lester, who um, she was pretty stoked to to battle her way in in tenth place. So I remember interviewing her afterwards. The she was over the moon, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, that because, was cool. Eleventh sucks, and I think she, from memory, she knew that she was going to have to go and do another race if she finished eleventh because it wasn't wasn't going to be any prize money in the back pocket. So for tenth place in Kona, you do get ten thousand dollars. Uh, in ninth place, who is a girl who's been dominating this year, uh, Lucy Gossage. She was in nine twenty five. Then really close racing. So both sides of men's and females, we had some really tight racing. Eighth and seventh. So eighth was Asa Lundstrom and seventh was Sarah Piampiano. Uh, there was only 30-odd seconds or 28 seconds between those two. And then uh, up the road a couple of minutes was Michelle Vestibu. Um, one of the surprise, surprises of the day was Kaiser Litonen in fifth place in 9.15. And she was about a minute down on Anya Berenik, who was one of the few that really tried to go toe-to-toe with uh, with Daniela Reef for for a period. Uh, third place was Heather Jackson. Second place was Marinda Carfrey, who you'll hear from later in the show, uh, and she was in nine ten. Uh, so she ran herself up to to second place after being well down off the bike, which was a fantastic effort. And then the winner, as we probably all remember, in eight hours forty six forty six was Daniela Reef. So that was your females top ten from last year. Who didn't do well last year, Jombo? Yes, on the, the girls' side of things, um, 
it was it was a few Susie Cheatham's had some good races over there. Annabelle Luxford, I was kind of picking her for potentially doing extremely well. Meredith Kessler has has yet to crack the the Kona code, and I um, when I spoke to her, you know, she had had her issues last year in getting ready for that race. Um, Elizabeth Lyles, who we saw really crushing it, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, she was all the way down in 25th. Mary Beth, Mary Beth Alice exploded on the run in her last race uh, and was only down in 14th. And probably the one of interest who's really been crushing it this year is Sarah Crowley. She was in 15th place in 9.42. So I think if she repeats that, she'll be a bit disappointed. Um, and Jodie Swallow was probably one of the other favourites who was way down in 22nd place. So on the guy's side of things, he had a few more that... Um, Sanders you know, would probably be one of the big ones, wouldn't he? Sanders, yeah. there were high yeah. hopes for him last year, wasn't there? And obviously this one was always questionable, but you, you, know, you, it was, you know, you hoped he was going to do better. Tim Reid, you know, he was the 70.3 champ and he was uh, never really in the game. He was out the back door. Tim Don DNF last year and he is one that I think a lot of people are going to have their eye on this year. Mm. Andreas Raylert finally had a, a great swim and he was in the mix. Yeah, and, uh, had a bad and, run. And, yeah, he DNF'd as well. Um, and Terenzo as well DNF'd. So some, yeah, uh, quite a few guys bombing out as you see in in Kona fairly regularly really wild was another sort of wild card that could have done well but it's um yeah Fredino and Keenlay it was a Fredino Keen the, the German show we had one two three or five Germans in the top ten okay so that's pretty much all we're going to be doing for the news today because we are doing this a little bit before we normally do so if there's been some big news we're a bit, we're a bit early on it but we thought we'd go straight into this week's discussion the discussion was now that we're getting close to Kona, we wanted to know what you're looking forward to most, looking most forward to seeing at Kona this year. So it wasn't necessarily your picks because we're going to do your picks this week, but just kind of what are some of the things that you're looking forward to seeing in Kona this year? Bradley Murphy was saying that Iron Man's commentary team and incessant adverts, laugh, 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 and as Bevan said earlier, and seeing if Lang can repeat a similar race without the penalty. How Dolphins got, I want to see some smack talk and bitching. Ooh, there have been a few suggestions that it is not all sweetness and light with some of our top athletes. I'd love to see a bit of an opinion and personality from some people willing to give it back to the top athletes. That would really make it interesting. We don't really see a lot of it. The person who's the best is Keenlay. Keenlay's willing to have you know talk some shit, but but the problem is he's he's been a bit eliminated because Frodo's so good. <laughs> like it'd be really interesting to see Keenlay's character if Frodo wasn't around. Because he is someone who's willing to put it out there. He's he's not arrogant, but he's just he's a free soul. And but when you've got a guy like Frodo who's just a bit dominant, it kind of mutes Keenley a little bit. And I, yeah. I, I it would have been fascinating if Keenley was around now and Frodo hadn't have come into the sport. What how would his personality be different? Mm. It's mm. always that thing, you know. If Lance Armstrong hadn't been around, if Tiger Woods hadn't been around in those eras, there's some really dominant players. Mm. Wendy Brown, I won't be there to see this, but know that my son has crossed the finish line and achieved the goal he set for himself eight years ago wow. would be amazing. So proud of his commitment and realising his dream, especially when he is, I believe, the most southerly based, southerly based competitor competing in Kona this year. Yes, the pros do it tough, but the age groupers have to do it by themselves, literally. And I think her son's Stephen Brown. I was so going to say, give you give you some some love here, Wendy. Yeah, yeah Stephen Brown, kick some ass. Go go, Stephen. Oh, oh, there you go. Must be right below him. Because look, because the next one's Stephen Brown. As a first timer, 
Just can't wait to get you there and soak it all up, meet new people, and make the most of the opportunity. And did, uh, and, and, was, and, and Wendy didn't even like the comment. Come on, Wendy, <laughs> sharpen up. <laughs> Scott Watson, interested to see how Keenlay and Sanders' bike splits measure with Cameron Wirfs and how long Lucy Charles stays out in front. Ian Banks has got one which I think is probably one of the more boring aspects of the races. Ian Banks got looking forward to seeing if the woman can race and see if anyone can take on Reef. When she goes on the bike, will anyone be willing to go with her and take a risk? And I suppose it's, I, I, I kind of think that's it's a good point, but I don't think anyone's going to, are they? <laughs> Well, I just—it's not that they don't want to. I just don't no, think they no, can. Yeah. It's like if I go with her, it's I'm exploding. Yeah. Jesse Thomas, uh, not Jesse Thomas, James Thomas, the Red Rocket. A close race in the last few miles, men or women. Just a close race. I totally agree. That's what we really do want: is uh, coming into those final miles, some good close racing. My fear for this year is it's going to be all over coming off the bike. Yeah, same. That would be my fear as well. Um, Justin Reed's got Tracy Bell doing her first Kona. Go, Tracy Bell. And I know how hard she's worked for this. Did she come in and give some She goes, and I'm looking forward, this is Tracy Bell, to rocking the finish line shoot. Get in there, Peter Moore says. <laughs> Arnold Sulikov, Reef finishing in the top 10 overall. <laughs> I think it's, it's not inconceivable. It's it, It'll be a big call, but top 20 would not be at all surprised. Top ten would be massive. You think? You think she can do it? No, but yeah. Well, let's look at last year's time. She did a eight forty six last year. Tenth was eight oh, 21. Oh, that's a big gap. Yeah. So last year, if she done, if she was racing the men's field, she would have got thirty first. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be very special. Um, Cameron Griffiths, PJ's comeback. And then poor old poor PJ. Tom's got, Tom Moore, uh, Moorwood's got, keep dreaming, mate. <laughs> Finn uh, Swager, he's going over there and racing, but he's looking forward to the underpants run. Oh, that's right. Ben McKinnon. Ben McKinnon's got Braden Curry. Braden Curry, and I'm, I'm, I, that is one I'm really interested in. Mm-hmm. I actually am really, I, 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 I really think Braden can top, get a top five. You know, I, and I hope at podium. I think he's definitely got the goods to do it, mm. but there's a crap load of others that have got oh, the goods to do it as well. Well, this, this race is lots of guys to get top five, but yeah, come on, come on, Braden. Anyone else, John? Final one I'll do is finish on a high note. Michael Rowe, hoping Pete Jacobs puts in a great performance. Oh, I'd love go. to see him in the top ten. So would I, actually. So I'm, I'm with you there. David Doherty's got a close race with a sprint finish. I think you've done that. Okay, John, what's, your, what's, what's the thing you're finding most interesting about the race coming up this year? What am I looking forward to the most is I'm going to back up pretty much what uh, the Red Rocket James Thomas said is just want a close race. But I also want to see what Frodo can do. If the conditions are okay, you know, he hasn't had the same racing schedule that he did last year for whatever reason. I don't follow him on Twitter or anything like that, so I don't know how injured he's been. I know he had injuries in in the first part of the year. But if he is fresh and fires up, and has some luck on the day, how fast he can actually go. And I just think he will blow the race to pieces. If he if everything falls into place, he could just go so ridiculously fast. It would be a completely boring race, but uh, I'd just be fascinated to see how fast he can actually go. So the looking problem forward to that is, the but problem I think with- complete, completely um, – other way of looking at it is I, don't, I want to see a close race as well. Well, this, but that's the problem. If Frodo does pull out his magic best race ever, he's miles ahead of everyone, isn't he? Oh, 
I reckon potentially 10 minutes in front yeah. of everybody. So then we, we're not going to see a close race. No. <laughs> so you kind of you get one or the other really, don't you? Yeah, yeah. He's 36. Um, so how many more years? Two years, three years? When did Crowe hit his peak? His best cone was when he was about 37, wasn't it? Yeah, but Crow is a little bit of a different example. He probably matured. He, his maturity and athletic maturity came a little bit later, whereas Frodo, you know, he was in short course for a long period. So I'd say he's a few more years advanced than where Crowe perhaps was at the same age. So you're thinking he's fading now, or do you think No, he's... I don't think he's fading, but I don't think he'll be around for, say, another four years or anything like that. So... Yeah, another, another another couple of years. Um, well, this, I, I think I think he'll keep mind, going until this year he, or next year we get to see the best of him. Mm, yeah, I think he'll keep going until he has that perfect iron distance race. Mm. And, 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 and kind of. And if you recall last year, he was actually pretty disappointed. It just wasn't a good day for him last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think for us lovers of the sport, this year and, and arguably next year might be the best we see him because if Gomez is here next year, mm. and and our Unfortunately, Gomez's learning trajectory is going to be pretty small because to him go from you know not doing any Ironman to racing there next year means it could be big risk factor that he just doesn't know how to race the race that well. And but next year could be the year where we see the best of Frodo. But really, age wise, we've got to say the next couple of years is where we're going to hope to see it. Mm. And girls' race, I mean, geez, race for seconds going to be interesting. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> it, it, it really is like that, isn't it? It, but it, 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 yeah, and saying yeah. that, you know, that, that year, well, Chrissy always won it, but that year where she did her arm and, you know, and she was, at least it was an interesting race that year. Mm. But if you did take, if you took Reef out of it, um, trying it's to pick race. who's going to, who would win, if, if Reef, you know, got knocked off her bike or got five punches, um, who's going to win it is, was a fantastic question. And I, and, uh, I just think it's wide open for, uh, for second place. Who came into the room? Uh, Felicity and Belinda just got home from somewhere. That's good. Work. Um, okay, oh, so come, come, come and say hello, Felicity. Hello, Felicity. Hello to everybody. Hello, Felicity. How are you? Good. She's good. Good. That's Felicity. She was a bit more. She was a bit more keen than Thomas. Thomas wasn't as keen as she was into it. Yeah, no, she is. Uh, right, so Kona is coming up. So good luck for all you guys that have uh, headed over there already. And uh, this week we want to know your picks. Okay, so top, your top, top three and your male and female and your let's go, 30... let's go top five. Okay. Make it harder yeah. for them. And your 33rd finisher as well. Okay, so your top five in both male and female and your 33rd finisher. So it's 33rd oh. overall. Um Overall, yeah. so male and female. We'll go 33rd pro finisher. Okay. 33rd pro finisher. Pro finisher, yeah, because you're not going to pick. If you pick the age grouper, we'll give you an IM Talk jersey. Yeah. <laughs> if you can it'll pick the age out, grouper, it'll yes. come out of Evan's budget. Yeah, that hasn't yeah. been discussed. Okay, sponsor. Effings.com. Tell me about it, Jombo. So, what did I do? I went on to. That's right. Uh, where am I? I am on. Yeah, so Kona Ironman coming up in a couple of weeks, and I thought I'd go on there and see who is on Athlinks has actually put their name down and put their balls on the line to say what sort of time they're going to go do over in Kona. So how you can do that is you plug your race into Athlinks, it'll find it, and obviously the race will be coming up, and you can add yourself in there, and you can put in your predicted time. So 
we've got a range of times here. So Alan Hartley, he's saying he wants to go 9.58.58. Karen AC Sailor, she wants to go 10.45. Uh, Mandy Runs wants to go 11.20. Jim Carner, 13.21. Dennis Woodside, 9.21. Ashley Stewart, 10.25. Carolyn Wilson, 10.11. And Jan Tuka, 9.20, but the person who wants to blow everybody out of the water and is going to finish extremely high if he does that is Paul Lunn. He's predicting 8 hours 50.54. Wow. Now, what would that get you in age group? That'd be pretty high, wouldn't it? That would... Can you can you figure out how old he is? Yeah, he's 44. Oh, yeah. that, that, that would win the age group, wouldn't it? So, so I guess my point here is with with all these. So you can I've read out those name these names and times. That's not going to mean anything to to anyone really, unless you happen to know that person. But then you can actually go, okay, they've predicted that time. What have they actually done? So I okay, so pulled, okay, let's, is he is he full of crap or has he got some some backing behind him? He's got some backing behind him. Oh, so okay. Hunt, he's uh, he's gone eight fifty fifty three. So he doesn't actually want to do a PB. He wants to get within one second of his personal best. Uh, but he finished a nine oh seven at the European Champs in Frankfurt this year, finishing third in the age group. Uh, but he has got a PB of eight fifty fifty three at Challenge Road from last year. So if you can match your road time in Kona, wicked. Go crush it, and I hope you do. Because if you do do eight fifty. You are going to probably win your age group and reasonably good chance you'll be first age group overall as well. So kick some ass, Paul. Yeah, good on you, mate. Okay, so athletes.com, guys, again, if you go into a race, you can see your competition or you can just put it out there if you, you know, what your aim is for the race as well. So go on to athletes.com. If you haven't signed up, it's all very simple. Nowadays, you can just do that thing where you use your Facebook login to sign up, which makes it all really easy. And if you're in America, they've got the app as well. So mm-hmm. there's lots of options over there for you for athletes.com. John, we're going to put an interview up. I got Rennie on the on the Skype, and we had a chat to her about this year and what's going to be happening for here, her moving forward. Righto, team. Well, I'm very happy to have on the show today a bit of a legend of the sport, Rowan DeCarfrey, or Rennie, as we all know. How are you going today, mate? Doing really well, thanks, Bevan. Hey, you're in a really interesting moment in your life right now because obviously recently you've just become a mother, and you and tell everyone what you had and names and all the rest of it. Yeah, I had a little baby girl on the 22nd of August. She's a little over five weeks old now, or five and a half weeks, I guess. Um, her name's Isabel. Um, yeah, life is completely different um, to what it was 12 months ago. So I suppose a question, which is, is a question you only really ever throw at female athletes, but you know, you're, you're very much in the prime of your years. And then having a baby in this moment, how much of a hard decision was that? You know, it... I I knew, well, we knew that we wanted to start a family at some point. And, yeah, timing's really hard when you're a professional athlete because yeah. you use your body <laughs> to earn a living. And, um, you know, knowing that basically I'd have to take a year out of competition was not a decision we took lightly. But, um, you know, I'm 36. I just turned 36. Well, I turned 36 in March this year. And um, having a family is a big priority. And you can't really just keep shelving that. Um uh, and knowing that, you know, risk factors increase uh, in your late 30s and, um, you know, knowing that we definitely wanted a family, we figured that, you know, this is more important than uh, one more year of racing. And um, also this timing was actually pretty good because I believe, um, and we'll see in the next 12 or 24 months, I believe, you know, as you said, I am in the prime of my career and I can have a couple more really good years in Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably – you know, I've raced Conan eight years in a row. I've uh, been in the sport for a long, long time. So um, 
yeah, I mean, it was kind of time to step back and um, start a family. And then, yeah, I, I want to get back at it and get back to Kona next year and hopefully be really competitive. Um, I, I hope to contend for that title in the next couple of years. So, um, yeah, it was sort of, sort of good timing and bad timing, but I think, um, I think it'll be good timing. But, yeah, as I said, 12 to 24 months we can reevaluate. I suppose one, one, you know, like, and this may be hard because you may not have any other experience, but all families, when they think about having children, have to think about lots of different areas and, you know, of how it's going to affect their lives. What were some of the things that maybe you guys had to consider, being both being pro athletes, that maybe a typical family wouldn't have to consider? Um, I think, well, for us, the main stress from for for me was knowing that we would need full-time help um we live in boulder colorado obviously my family's in australia so Mm. there's no grandma um just down the road tim's family are all on the east coast so it's kind of um knowing that we need need to hire full-time help and and that's something we're still trying to figure out um whether we get a live-in nanny a live-in au pair or a nanny locally um and yeah knowing that we'll have to sort of early on put our little baby in somebody else's hands and trust that they can, you know, look after. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right person for us. But that is kind of a big stress as a, a new mum, you know, like you want to protect that little little one with your life. And, um, yeah, just finding the right fit is kind of a bit of a stress right now, trying to find somebody who, you know, if they live in, they need to be low stress. They need to be fit in with Tim and I and, you know, know that we're kind of coming and going it all day long and um, obviously um, Isabel's safety is the most important thing, but outside of that, they need to fit into our family. Um, so yeah, that's probably, I mean, I, I guess there are professionals in, you know, all fields that go back to work and need full-time help as well. So I, I think it's no different from any two professionals, um, that don't have the ability to, to have like mum or dad be a stay-at-home parent. Mm-hmm. Um, in any of those circumstances is no different to our circumstance in that, you know, you need full-time help and you need to get your body back you know well for me you've got to get my body back <laughs> first of all um but yeah you need to get back to work because um this is how we make a living this is how we provide will provide for our family um just just on that you know like you you know your body is something you're so attuned to you know you're such a high level athlete you understand uh you know how to to work your body you, you i'm sure you're sure, you know acutely aware of how your body works what's it like you know guys will never get this experience to go through the change of pregnancy i i mean it is amazing what the human body is capable of i mean i i put on about 40 pounds in my pregnancy which is how many like a little under probably like eight 17 kilos i would guess um my math's not great but um yeah, around, you know, 17, 18 kilograms, which is quite a lot. And for someone in my frame, that's a lot yeah, <laughs> of yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're not the tallest and, person in the world. Yeah, no, you're 5'3". I mean, yeah, it's a, I mean, I'm normally, you know, 52 kilograms, 53 kilograms. So put 18 kilograms on, on that, it's a lot of weight. And so um, it's incredible, like, yeah, how much weight, like, my body put on, um, which, I mean – two weeks later I dropped 30 pounds. So it came right back off. It's kind of, in, it was quite interesting or amazing to see how your body just deflates after pregnancy. And, um, you, you're kind of, I was kind of nervous <laughs> the latter part of my pregnancy, looking at the weight going, wow, like I'm almost as heavy as my husband. And we kind of had <laughs> weight in there if I'd get to his weight. And I almost did. Um, and you know, he's almost six foot. 
<laughs> yeah. and a lot of muscle. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of um, yeah crazy to just go through that weight gain and then now the weight loss. And you know, they tell you to take six weeks off of no activity post post having the baby to let your body fully heal. And um, I'll you know I'll listen to the doctor's advice because I don't see any point in rushing back because you know Kona's still 12 months away and it's still a long time to for me to get get ready again I'd rather give it an extra week now than um than push it now and have some issues so yeah it's just yeah like I mean I'm pretty happy with my body that it has dropped the weight pretty quickly and you know I've still got a few pounds to go but I'm not worried that's going to come off as soon as I start exercising I'm sure um but yeah it's just um yeah, kind of mind blowing when you're, you know, your your body is just all about performance, and I guess, you know, making a baby is kind of uh, just one other amazing thing your body can do. Now, being a pro athlete, again, you know, what you put your body through is just absolutely crazy. When you became pregnant, did you get different advice? Did the doctors kind of have different advice for you? And um, what shifted? Obviously, you weren't training like you were training for an Ironman, but what did exercise mean in your life through your pregnancy? Um, I, I mean, I, I just went to the, you know, the regular OB GYN and, um, she actually in Boulder, I guess they're, um, used to dealing with athletes. And yeah. I think that their they stress is don't worry about the weight gain because, you know, being an athlete, people stress about weight gain. And, and as I said, I, I wasn't really stressed about, it. I was just surprised at how much, you know, you can gain. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, she was basically just listen to your body. Um, there was a lot of, there's a lot of literature or, or people that will tell you you can't get your heart rate up over 140 or 150 beats mm. um but my doctor said that's absolute rubbish um you can get your heart rate up as long as you feel okay i think the only risk factor is that you exercise if you exercise too hard you could pass out just because there's a lot of blood volume going to the baby and maybe less going to you so if you work out too hard then that could be something that would happen but as you know as an athlete you know your body very well and um yeah so i wasn't too worried i mean really at the end it really wasn't that hard to get my heart rate up to 150 um, the big uh big heifer that i was getting up <laughs> up the mountains um but yeah i wasn't too concerned about exercising i just would wanted to keep moving because i enjoy exercising i enjoy being outside but i pretty quickly um decided that i wasn't going to look at myself as a professional athlete while i was pregnant i was going to look at myself as somebody who was creating a human and that was my number one priority. Um, I wasn't going to worry about coming back and, you know, trying to hold on to any fitness because, you know, as I said, I've got to take, you've got to take six weeks off after you have the baby anyway. So any fitness you try to hold on to, I feel like you're going to lose at the end. Um, the one thing I did try to do is stay in the gym. Um, I kept working with my um, strength coach, Erin Tarson, and I was in the gym probably three times a week um, just because I feel like, you know, holding on to strength um, or some muscle was probably is going to bode well when I come back into mm -hmm. training. Um, and, yeah, I mean, my my activity basically in terms of swim, bike, run just decreased as I got further along in my pregnancy and as I felt. Um, like, for example, you know, swimming was fine all the way up um, to having basically having the baby. Cycling was probably fine, but I didn't really have many people to go ride me with just at my pace and I, well, I was riding the mountain bike on you know back roads in boulder and you know i'd ride for an hour or i'd ride for an hour and a half and towards the end 
my husband wasn't really keen on me going out by myself. Um, initially it was fine, but obviously later on, you know, it's probably smart to have somebody else with me. So finding someone to ride really slow <laughs> on dirt roads, um, isn't super easy in Boulder. Everyone sort of goes quite fast. So, um, the cycling stopped probably four weeks before we had the baby and running stopped at about 35 weeks into my pregnancy. We had Isabel, she was late. She was about 42 weeks almost. And, um, yeah, but swimming continued and I did plenty of gym work and, you know, lots of hikes and lots of hiking straight up the mountains, um, which was, which felt good. And, um, I was able to get my heart rate up doing those things. So Mm -hmm. I think as a professional athlete, you look for those endorphins, like going and getting your heart rate up a little bit makes you feel good. And so I would do that. Um, but again, it really wasn't for performance. It was really just to keep myself moving and for sanity, really. What's uh, I really love the way you talked about your approach because I, I work for a lot of females and one thing um, that females struggle with around being a mum is the sense of loss of self and identity. Um, and one thing you said at the beginning of that question was, I shifted my identity from being a pro athlete to being someone who's creating a human. Um, and so I imagine it helped you to kind of accept the role that you were in and actually embrace it instead of feeling a loss of what you're losing. Yeah, I mean, I certainly felt mentally quite happy about the whole situation. I didn't, um, you know, so certainly there were times where I'd look at races and and think how amazing it was to be out there racing and, and feeling strong and, and see my husband go off and do the epic rides that we would do, like some of the great um, routes. Um, but it was more that I, I kind of just missed doing that and it wasn't that I was depressed that I couldn't do it. It was more just like that's so fun um, and I can't wait to get back to doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just, we were just excited to be on this journey, this new journey, um, of having a a little baby. Um, and I think that that is for me in itself enough, um, to keep me fulfilled for now. Um, obviously, you know, she's going to be part of our lives forever now, but that part of my life, I mean, there's, there's only so many babies you can have, first of all, and (laughs) We hope to have one, maybe one more, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a small period in your life and, um, I wanted to enjoy that, that moment and, um, also take the time to appreciate what I'd done in the sport and, um, you know, how, how great my career had been, but also know that, you know, I can get back and continue to race. I think knowing that, um, definitely puts your mind at ease, I guess. But what would be some tips for, you know, cause it is a family you know, having a baby is a family affair and you, you know, it sounds like you and Tim have been great with, you know, how you've approached it. What would be some tips for maybe even not just pros, but, you know, athletic families who are endeavouring to have a family? What would be some tips you'd want to share now that you're kind of at least past stage one? I think um, as an active mum, I think, yeah, as I mentioned, you just need to kind of let go of that identity of being physically fit and strong and, um, yeah, just embrace being a mum. And I think that's really, I mean, honestly, I've, I've done some walks in the past three weeks, but other than that, I've done no physical activity. And, um, yeah, I was laughing with my husband yesterday and saying that, um, I've, I've been to Kona nine times and basically in the best shape of my life every single time this year, I'm going to go pack (laughs) next days to go to Kona with Tim and I'm probably in the worst shape of my life. (laughs) So it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's just different and you just have to, you know, embrace what, I mean, let go of, um, 
any idea of being an athlete for now. And as I mentioned, it's a small period of your life and, and it's an amazing experience, like the whole experience, like getting pregnant, um, gaining the weight, watching your belly grow. Um, I have boobs for the first of my life. And <laughs> Um, loving it and, yeah I love it like I, I honestly if I was to get a boob job I'd get like these and they're like <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good A <laughs> um, but yeah I mean there are like some perks that come along with you know with this and also you know my husband's like just enjoy being not being an athlete like you don't have to worry about being on a schedule and and um, um, being so regimented right now you know you you're going to get back to that and you've done that for you know almost twenty years of your life already. Mm. Um, just enjoy going with the flow and um, spending time with you know my little girl. And um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to sit at home all day, and it's kind of monotonous and it gets a little bit boring. But at the same time, I just look at her and I'm like, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else right now. She's incredible, and um, it's um, it's so cool that I can be here with her and spend this much time with her. And I suppose it's also trusting that you can get back. You know, the part of the thing that gives you freedom in the moment is to know, you know what, I know how to get back to the game. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I guess that that could be uh, quite, it, it is quite daunting to look at that task. Um, and I'm really coming from a place I've never been before. And that, you know, every single year we set up the year coming off a really strong year of training. So you're kind of building all the time. And this is really off a year of nothing, like a year of basically just letting myself go almost. Um, so there is some unknowns there, but I, I have confidence that, you know, I, you know, if you, you get confidence from seeing other athletes go through this and coming back and, you know, there are the sport triathlon and, and marathon running and athletics are littered with examples of great athletes having babies and coming back sometimes even stronger than they were before. And, um, so yeah, I, I aspire to be in that category. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can be done and, you know, just a matter of making sure you believe that and, and don't second guess it. What have been some of the lessons you've learned about yourself that you wouldn't have learned, you know, if you were just on the same path before this moment? Um, I think how okay I am with being normal. Oh, really? That's <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Um, I think I, I look around and, and you see professional athletes retire and they really struggle with not exercising and not being uber fit. And, um, they have to go out and hurt themselves every day, um, to get that satisfaction. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, as I said, I stepped away from being a professional athlete and, and I was okay with just being an average Joe. Um, and, and maybe I can, I feel that way because I've had such um, an amazing career and I've, and I've been able to achieve some amazing things um, and to know that I've, I've been there and done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like now I feel like I, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel bad. I don't have um, depression from not, <laughs> not being out there and exercising. Uh, so that, that's nice to know that once, you know, I do retire from the sport, I think I'll be able to walk away um, and be happy Um with who I am, I think knowing that I'm secure in who I am, regardless, and that my that's identity is really powerful, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think I think I realize my identity isn't just made up of Ironman world champion and what I've done in the sport. You know, I'm a person outside of that too, and um, and I'm proud of the person I am outside of that. So I think that that certainly helps when you're not defining yourself every day by what you're doing on the athletic field. 
Well, and it's also really important because of your family situation. Like you have a partner who's a pro athlete who's trying to go to one Kona, you know, and, yeah. and if you weren't in that place, that could probably be damaging for the relationship as well because it could be jealousy of the life he's still leading. Yeah, and uh, honestly, it's, it's been really nice to be his support network. I mean, when I first started doing Kona, Tim was obviously racing and racing professionally, but he gave me a lot of support in the first couple of years. He came over to Kona and he was my, like, head of my cheer squad um and to sort of have the tables turn and um really just be here for him uh it's been really nice to support him on you know training runs when i could still do that um you know on a bike while he ran or um out in the car while he was on the bike and stuff like that so um yeah i think maybe that has also helped the transition and that i still am so involved in kona and the build-up to kona because it's happening like right in front of my eyes every single day of the week um so yeah, maybe maybe that's also an advantage in that you know my husband's going through everything that you go through in a build up for for a big race, um, uh, and it's my everyday life, and so I think that maybe definitely plays a part too. Moving forward, so you you know obviously you're six weeks off, and then you know obviously the goal is to get back into you know racing and being competitive at Kona again. How do you approach that? I think. Uh, well, you know, obviously I've got my coach, Siri Lindley, who will help me back um, and will be pretty keen to get me on a, on a program. Uh, but initially I think it's just try and get your body moving again. Uh, mm. For me, that will mean, you know, basically when we get to Kona, um, I have someone helping with Isabel. You know, basically every day I have um, a commitment, so I've added like an hour so I can go out and do a little run or a little swim or something. So that will be my first sessions back, which will be really weird because, um, as I mentioned, usually in Kona I'm – in amazing shape. So, um, that's going to be a bit weird. Um, but then once we get through Kona, my husband is going to be able to step up and yeah. <laughs> spend a lot of time um, with Isabel um, and I'll be able to actually get on a real program. So I, I guess that's, that's really more around the eight-week eight week post-baby. I'll sort of be on a back home here in Boulder and I'll be seeing my strength coach and, and on a more regular program. But honestly, I feel like through December, it's really going to be about, you know, building up the strength back up, getting my core back and um, slowly making that, you know, making those steps so that when it comes to January, I can get into like some off-season training as I normally would. Mm. And calendar, do you, do you start to think of your calendar for next year now or do you kind of just go wait, wait to see where my fitness is at and then make choices? Yeah, I think um, both. Uh, through this whole year, I've been looking at the calendar and trying to figure out what races I want to come back and do. And, um, yeah, there's definitely a couple that I've, I've eyed off, but you have to also appreciate, you know, you, I don't want to jump in any, to anything too soon. And, uh, fortunately I don't really have to, mm. um, so, you know, with the timing of having Isabel, my season usually doesn't start till March and, and I'll be like seven months post at that point. So that should be plenty of time and yeah. uh, should be able to pick and choose races. But, I'd like to do some shorter races first and then maybe an Ironman a little later, but I think we will see how I feel sort of at the end of December and if things are sort of bouncing back well, then um, that then we I think we can really look at the calendar. Because um, you, yeah, you, you and Tim don't really have the similar calendar other than like Kona. You, you really race different races throughout the year, don't you? We do and we don't probably. We race probably 50-50. Okay. Um, obviously Kona, we always do the same that race, but other than that, he picks the Iron Man that makes most sense for him, and I pick the Iron Man that makes most sense for me. Usually, it's different, or it has been in the last couple of years. 
Um, but we'll, we'll do like similar 70.3 races maybe. Um, yeah, it's, it's different every year. Some years we end up doing a lot of the same races. Some years we don't, but we try to really just focus on what we need. So what I need is different to what he needs. And, and sometimes it means that we're racing the same races. Sometimes it doesn't. And, um, yeah, obviously now we've got the added, um, logistic of having a baby yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's going to stay home and, and look after her. So, um, yeah, I mean, all of that will come into account once we sit down and plan out our years. So uh, uh, throughout the year, have you actually kept much of an eye on what's happening in pro racing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I you know, I'm a fan of the sport. I, I love the sport and, um, and love watching, you know, the up and comers and who's, who's going to be there next year is really what I'm focused on, <laughs> who are going to be the key players that I'll have to, um, have to look out for in, in 2018. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously 70.3 world champs. I, I watched half of it. Um, Isabel was, uh, very young. Um, yeah. And then I keep, you know, I'm on Twitter all the time on race weekend and not necessarily, you know, at the time of the race am I watching it, but I generally try to keep up with most of the results and, and watch what the trends are or, you know, see what athletes are standing out. So, so, so let's talk about the, the race this year. So both men's and women's, what are you, what are you seeing? What are you thinking with the female race? Yeah, I, I don't think Daniela is going to be touched. Honestly, I think um, the only way she's going to be beaten is if she takes herself out yeah. or if she has a mechanical, uh, she's just on another level right now. And um, I don't see anyone else really challenging her. Uh, the one athlete I've, I'm interested in is Lucy Ann Charles. Is that her name? Um, I could be mistaken but she is a first time pro in Kona but she's raced age group and won in Kona but her year has been pretty phenomenal this year she's a great swimmer she's really strong on the bike and a good little runner too so I think she's someone who will be up there obviously Rachel Joyce is always a favorite um she obviously had to really work to get to Kona this year mm. so that might hurt her a little bit and kind of sucked that she had to do that extra Ironman to get there but um I don't think she really knew that she wanted to go back to Kona until she raced Ironman Boulder and won. Um, mm. She was kind of taking it one step at a time with, you know, her little boy and um, didn't want to commit to too much. And so in the end it it kind of backfired a little bit because she you know, had to chase points. Um, so Rach, I mean, Rachel always does well in Kona. I think she's been in the top five, I'm going to say five times. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, – it's a pretty incredible resume. Um, who else? Heather Jackson will be in the in the top five. I think Kaiser uh, Leighton on. I think her, no, her last name is Sally now. Yeah. She trains Siri. She started working with Siri this year, and uh, she had a really good race last year. She finished fifth in Kona last year, and I think she's going to be better this year. So, yeah, I think those are the names. I could be missing someone, but they're sort of the ones that I'm looking at to to be vying for podium positions and the boys obviously tim's gonna win it but outside of tim you know <laughs> after tim um uh frodo if, um Janu, he, i mean he's the consummate professional he's um lined his year up as he always does to to race well at the big races and he he decided not to do 70.3 world so he could be ready for conan this year again and um, obviously Jan and Sebi's in great shape this year, raced very well at 70.3 Worlds, um, which is not always an indicator for him. I mean, I think he always races pretty well in Kona and sometimes 70.3. I actually probably only once 70.3 70, 70 Worlds was a 
disappointment for him. Every other year he's been pretty solid. Uh, then there's the other German, and I'm going to – Patrick Lang. Yeah, yep. He's been really quiet this year, and I guess he had an injury. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen with him. I mean, maybe, was he a flash in the pan for last year, and, and will he be back in the shadows again? Um, mm. I hope so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for my husband's sake. But um, he's he's a definite threat because he obviously – if he's in the front pack off, off the bike or even close, he, the boy can run. So um, I'm sure the boys will be uh, watching for him. Uh, Lionel Sanders, who knows with that guy. He hasn't really raced well in Kona um, and wasn't going to race Kona and then was going to race Kona mm. and um, looks like he is going. And obviously he's a, an absolute powerhouse. Um, but I don't know if it's, he has yet to show that he can race in the heat and humidity of Kona, which, as you know, is very unique. Uh, then there's some athletes like James Kanema, who who's had some great results in Kona, has raced back with Brett Sutton, has his confidence back, and is racing really well this year. Um, I think he's going to have a solid race. And uh, Ben Hoffman, um, again, he's in really good shape again this year. I think he'll be up the front and pushing for, you know, for a podium as well. So uh, I could keep going with the men's field. Um, but they're, you know, they're the name, all the names that stand out to me right now. Well, it's going to be interesting for you because this is like the first time you've actually watched the race. Yeah. Hey, that'd be a really different experience for you, won't it? Because when you're racing, you're, you're, you're in your mind, aren't you? You're in your focus, you know, whereas yeah. now you're actually kind of on the sidelines. Yeah. I mean, from the get-go, obviously that the year that I had the accident and wasn't able to finish the bike, I kind of watched the latter part of the race. But yeah, to watch the race from start to finish and not, you know, be a part of it yeah. will be a definitely a different experience. The last time I did that was actually on the computer in, I think, 08. Yeah, the year before I raced, I watched um, Chrissy destroy everyone um, from my um, computer in the desert when, with Siri we were getting ready for 70.3 Worlds. Wow. So, yeah, it's been a while. Well, um, just just thank you so much for your time today. It's um, I, I think there's so much to learn listening to you about how to be healthy in this time of a really important time in your life and a really special time in your life and, and to actually embrace kind of what you're doing with your life in a way that's actually really healthy because, you know, like, it's funny, our sport, we get so much credit for being healthy people, but there's, there's actually an unhealthy aspect to our sport in many ways and and when there's times we have to pull away from being the athlete, um, that's a hard thing. Now, for someone who it's your career, well, that's even a bigger thing. So I really respect the way you've approached this time and actually been able to kind of get the most out of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to head back and, and, and get back into it. But, again, um, yeah, this has been a really great experience this past year. And um, Hopefully Tim races well in Kona. And, um, that's, all, that's all it's about right now, just focusing on his race and getting him to that start line uh, ready to go. Well, go Tim, and um, and good luck as you get back into it yourself. And we'll, and we'll be over in Kona next year, so we'll see you there. We'll be cheering you along, mate. Thanks for your time today. Awesome. Thanks so much, Evan. She was, she was a really good interview, John. I know you haven't listened to it, but um, you just had to really respect her. She was saying, and I know everyone's heard this, but she was just saying how when she became pregnant, she was like, I'm no longer an athlete. I'm someone building a baby. And it was just that change in perspective. I really it helped her to be healthy through that time. And it's such an important thing for athletes because letting go of doing lots of exercise can often be really hard, eh? Mm. And um, and letting go of the identity as well, you know. She yeah, is, she, and, and she was great. It was really interesting mm. her talking about it. Mm. Mm. So sponsor, sponsor. Tell you what, John. 
extreme endurance. Uh, now, one thing I will say is that in the news over here in New Zealand this week, we had um, a, a study. They went out and tested, I think it was it was over 100 different sports supplements, and uh, and I think six of them came back with uh, anabolic steroids or banned substances in them. So I think I mentioned this last week. You know, with extreme endurance, they test their products. They get certified to make sure that they are legit. Um, but also, I've been, I've been getting lots of feedback from some of the athletes that I coach uh, who have been trying the Fuel 5 when they've been training and racing. They've got Ironmans coming up, really enjoying just having a slightly different flavor. So they're not fueling exclusively on uh, Fuel 5 through the ride. They're basically using it as a bit of a, a change up as they go through. Find the flavor nice and light and refreshing. And uh, with the Fuel 5 Plus, then you've got the caffeine in there as well. So it gives you that little kick. So if you do find, you know, say you've got your particular sports nutrition that you have mostly throughout the day at an iron distance race and you sometimes just get a bit sick of it and your tummy gets a bit upset if you want to try changing things up a little bit check out fuel five or fuel five plus if you want the caffeine and uh just changes things gives you a slightly different blend of carbohydrates and can help keep that tummy in check so check it out on xendurance.com and remember the promo code imtalk20 gets you 20 percent discount if you're on the dot com or any of the european websites times and, and again they've also got all the other great products that again we get lots of good feedback on so check it out xendurance.com john i sat down with young daniel clark and he is the builder of your favorite website one of your favorite websites um, yep i was going to do a bad joke then but I, luckily i stopped myself and um and also just an up-and-coming pro and pretty cool guy actually so here is daniel clark Okay, team, I'm pretty happy to have on the show a, a listener of the show, actually, but also an interesting person and someone who actually gets quite a few mentions on the show for a website that John absolutely raves about, which is Try Splits. And if you listen to the I Am Talk, I'm sure you know John here talk, hear John talk about this quite a bit. Daniel Clark, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me. First of all, what made you start doing Try Splits? Uh, so I, um, I still work as a professional triathlete, so I actually run a, uh, a youth entrepreneurship program and, uh, it actually came out of one of the projects. So, um, when we were recruiting youth for the program was looking at some, uh, some different ideas for businesses. So one of them was an informational business. So, um, just went through with the youth, a concept of, uh, a way to be able to potentially generate revenue. So it's still a work in progress, but it was something that I saw that it didn't it didn't exist. Like there's no one place for all of uh, all the results for professional uh, triathletes. Uh, so it's something that I decided that uh, I'd use that resource uh, in order to be able to start to put something together. And tell me how you got it started. So you literally worked with somebody who was developing something like this. So I, I mean, it's it, it was a lot of uh, it's a lot of grunt work. It was really just uh, going through like old results and like copying and pasting lots of old oh, really? results. So yeah, it all uh, I mean, it's all in a big uh, a big spreadsheet, and then working with some of the youth who are interested in the program for actually being able to turn that spreadsheet into something that's sortable. And um, and can be used on uh, on a website. How, how far back did you go with the results? Uh, so it it kind of depends on the race because uh, different races have um, different results. So for it really tried to go as far back as it could find good results where it separated out the pro fields because I was only looking. 
for pro results. Mm. Uh, beyond that, it just gets to there's there'd just be far too many fields of uh, of data. So for some races, they go um, uh, like I think for Hawaii, it might go back into the 90s, whereas some other races it only goes back a couple of years because their data is really messy and um, you know it would just take far too long for me to actually sort through who is a pro, who's an age grouper. And then, you know, I'm sure the initial setup was a pretty massive undertaking, but now you've got it kind of ticking over. Is it much work or is it very much just a couple of hours a week? Uh, so, I mean, it's not something that I am able to stay on top of every week. So like, if you were to go on there right now, you wouldn't see all the results, uh, likely from about the past month, just because I have a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not a priority. I'm not busy. It's, just, it's not a uh, <laughs> nice. priority. So, uh, um, so it's something that now, because um, uh, that section with the youth, it's, uh, it's all over. So it's just kind of on my shoulders. So when uh, I try and put aside some time uh, about once a month in order to just collect all the results from uh, from the professional races. So it's a lot less work now and it likely only takes me uh, about an hour or two now in order to collect all the data from the races from uh, from the past month. And then I just uh, copy it into the spreadsheet and then it does all of uh, it does all the work from there. And, and is, is there a revenue model you hope to make money out of it or is it very much kind of you're giving back to the sport? Uh, yeah, so it, it's not something that I'm like, I, I, I don't, uh, I, there's no, no, I'm not trying to look, I'm not looking to make money from it uh, right now. It was just, uh, it was created to show youth an example of a way that mm. you could uh, present information in a new way in order to be able to make a business. So if it was something that, uh, uh, that it wanted to turn into a business, then there would be a lot more um, like reporting on races and, uh, you know, making sure all the, uh, all the data is a lot more up to date and getting, uh, maybe like interviews with athletes or content from athletes on there. Um, just, just in regards to this, um, what was your history then leading into being a pro athlete? Because obviously, um, you know, this is, this is maybe the kind of your history. So maybe just give me a little bit of your history before you started being a pro. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I did my first triathlon in uh, in 2012. It was a uh, a local Olympic distance triathlon. You actually read uh, my first try story on yeah, the air. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was it was a very humble uh, start to triathlon. So I did my first Olympic in three hours and 46 minutes, and it's a very fast Olympic course. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just wasn't uh, very fast, so I was. Uh, I was either second or third last overall. They were actually breaking down the race before uh, uh, before I had finished. But uh, that was kind of my first uh, my first race, and then um, from there I started to uh, learn a little bit more about the training and get a little bit more serious. So the next year I did uh, my first Ironman. So that was 2013, where I did uh, Ironman Montremblant. And I'd progressed quite a bit by then. I finished just under 11 hours in uh, in Tremblant. And then I kind of at that point, I decided that I was only interested in doing another Ironman if I was going to be uh, competitive in my age group. Because I really enjoyed doing Tremblant, doing all the work to get there. But um, I didn't want to do another race just to, uh, just to get to the finish line. I would want to actually be competitive. So I took 2014 off from triathlon just to run because I realized that I just wasn't a fast enough runner to ever be competitive. And then I uh, I came back to triathlon in 2015. I did Ironman Canada and I was able to win my age group there. 
And, um, and that was, uh, kind of, it was a ton of work in order to go, uh, from, I'd done just under 11 hours in Tremblant to, I think I was around 9.45 in, um, in Whistler. And, uh, you know, I'd set a really big audacious goal and actually being able to achieve it. It was something that I was very proud of, like much beyond just triathlon, like for myself setting such a large, uh, overwhelming personal goal. A lot of people who knew me, like they didn't really think it was all that realistic. Um, and, uh, and to actually, uh, to actually achieve it, uh, was something that, uh, that I was really proud of. And then that kind of, uh, that was a springboard for me, uh, that it gave me a lot of confidence in future, uh, in future races. So last year I did Ironman Maryland, which was an age group only race. And I went there with the intention of actually trying to win, um, the race. I didn't, uh, I didn't win. I came, uh, I came fifth, but, um, uh, it was just another, uh, kind of another stepping stone for me. And then I decided this year that, uh, that I would actually compete as a pro. So just, just a couple of questions going back. What did you learn the year you took off to go running? You know, cause it's quite a ballsy move to think I want to do really well as triathlon. So I'm going to stop doing triathlon and just run for a yeah. year. You know, most people will probably say, well, we'll do some bike run and some bike swim and run more. But you kind of said, no, nah, I'm going to cut the cord and basically become a runner. What did you gain from that year? And what did you learn that you took back to triathlon? Yeah. So, I mean, the reason why I actually decided that I was going to do it was actually because of my girlfriend. So she does um, triathlon as well, and she's been competing for longer than I have. And when I was looking at her results, she at the time was a relatively weak cyclist, but then she would run uh, 20, 30, 40 minutes faster than everyone else in her age group. And then she'd finish really high in her age group. So when I started looking through the results, I realized that there's only so much time to be gained or lost on the bike, but really People who do well, they all run at least a specific speed for uh, for that age group. So, um, in in the year off, um, I, I actually trained with runners. So I wasn't running with triathletes at all. It was with uh, it was with people who just ran, and uh, I learned quite a bit about running because I don't have any sort of background in swim, bike, or run. Like 2013 was the first, or 2012 was the first time that I did. Uh, any uh, any of that, so actually learning uh, more about the proper ways of uh, of training, of you know having your really hard days, having uh, much easier recovery runs, like d- not going too hard on recovery runs, and uh, I learned a lot about how to train that year, and uh, and still to this day I try and train a lot of the sports uh, as though they were that individual sport as opposed to. Um, thinking of everything about training as a triathlete. Mm-hmm. And so then you came back and, and you said that, you know, a lot of people kind of doubted you. Um, and, and often that doubt comes from people trying to protect you because they think your goals may be a bit too ambitious. And, you know, so it's not necessarily coming from a negative place. But what's it like when you're kind of trying to aim for a big goal and you are surrounded by a bit of doubt? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's something where um, – I would say that it was um, it was kind of a motivating uh, or a motivation to get up in the morning because you know there are some people who oh like you know you've done one Ironman like you did really well for your first Ironman but you know like let's uh, let's set some intermediate goals and you know you haven't done triathlon for a year so you know I hadn't been on my bike for over uh, for over a year like when I did my first FTP test like I don't even know if it was 200 watts after. Uh, <laughs> coming back into it. But, 
um, you know, it, it was uh, it was definitely something that kept me on task. That um, you know, I, I had I had this goal. Um, I had all I had um, kind of a roadmap in order to get to the goal, and um, I just needed to make sure that each day I got up and I did the work. And there was no spectacular workouts. You know, there's no magic formula. It was just being consistent every day and just trying to. I'd try and go to bed every day just 0.1 percent fitter than. I woke up in the morning, and you know that over the span of a year, you can uh, you can make a lot of improvements. How has your motivation shifted through the time from going to be you know your average age grouper to a good age grouper to a pro? Like, has the motivation changed through that period? Not really. Like, it's always been to kind of test myself and see um, how good I uh, how good I can be. So it you know like. When um, going back to Ironman Canada, like I wanted to win my age group, but winning my age group that was almost a secondary goal. To I wanted to see how strong I could be on the day, and I just set a big goal at the time, what I thought was the biggest goal I could out there, and uh, and chased after it. So even now, uh, going into races, one of the reasons why I decided to take a pro card this year was just to uh, to rate from. So I would have to kind of raise my level again in order to um, in order to compete. Because one of the issues with the age group racing is that there's very little head-to-head racing anymore between uh, the rolling starts and the wave starts. A lot of time you don't necessarily know where you are mm. uh, in the field. So you know, getting to race head-to-head and uh, having that really top level of competition. Because outside of world championships. You never quite know what the uh, what the competition is gonna is gonna be like, and I, I I've never raced in uh, in Kona. Um, I um, both times I qualified, I uh, I turned down the spots, but um, you know that seemed like the only place where you would be insured of having a really competitive field. And I like the idea of going to a race and there being a lot of other guys that are really gonna push me. In order to see what I can get out of myself. So you, so your motivation has always been discovering the higher level of self. Yeah, yeah, just seeing like what what it is that I'm capable of. Like when I did my first triathlon, like that seemed uh, just to do an Olympic distance race seemed incredible. And then you know it seemed like doing an Ironman was absolutely insane that anyone would be able to do all that. And then to actually try and race one, like just another level. And now trying to see um, how close I can get to the very top of uh, the top of the sport is just what uh, what keeps me motivated every day so I see yourself coached uh, how, do, how do you approach that you know like um, first of all what kind of philosophy do you try to sit around um, how do you make sure you're kind of getting the most out of your training you know like just tell us about your self coach experience yeah so I've I've been I've always been self coached but that doesn't mean that I haven't had people that have helped me along the way mm-hmm. so like when when I was just running, uh, there would be some other runners where I'd kind of tag along to what some of their program was and learn about what it was that they were doing, and then figure out what did or didn't work for me. Um, once I came back into triathlon, I started using Trainer Road, and um, that's something that I still um, I still use a little bit to this day in order to uh, get the cycling workout so that there's a little bit of structure and then build out what the uh what the biking and the swimming are uh uh are going to be for me and uh, a lot of it is has been trial and error over the last few years i try and learn a lot or read a lot 
um, I'll ask other athletes about what it is that they do or don't do and then experiment with, uh, with different sessions. Uh, but I think one of the reasons why I've been able to progress over, uh, over my five years in the sport is because I, uh, I've just been able to be consistent. So fortunately I've never had any sort of major injury mm-hmm. in, in the time. And that's something that I, I don't always do the best job of, but try and listen to my body and, you know, I don't try and be a hero in uh, in any of the workouts. I just try and be consistent every single day. Mm. Um, what, would be, what would be a typical training week for you? Uh, so I um, I'm usually in the about eighteen to twenty hours a week. So I uh, I still work, but fortunately my job is uh, is relatively flexible. So um, I work from home a lot of days, and I can dictate a lot of my hours. So. <laughs> I, um, that makes it a lot easier in order to get in those, uh, those 20 hour weeks. Uh, so it's usually, uh, I try and, um, I'll do a long ride, which, uh, half the time it's outside, half the time it's, uh, it's on the trainer. Um, and that's anywhere from about four to six hours. Um, I try and get in a long run of, uh, about 25 to 30 K a week. And then um, overall, uh, volume ends up being at least, uh, 14 kilometers of swimming. I try and hit about 10 hours on the bike and, uh, I try and make sure I'm running at least 60 kilometers a week on bigger weeks. It'd be closer to 75, but I find I just can't do any more of that, uh, any more than 75 and still keep on top of the, uh, the swimming and the biking. So, so for, for, for an athlete like yourself, who's kind of entry level pro, obviously got ambitions to take it to the next level, but also has a career, you know, so earns a job, you know, has a job outside of that. How do you, how do you manage energy, you know, like energy management? Because obviously, you, you know, to be training 18 to 20 hours a week is a pretty demanding thing and, and you're doing it at a level where you're a pro level. So the intensity is pretty high. Uh, you know, you're obviously not at that level where you can make enough money as a pro yet where you can look at just being a pro. So how do you manage your life around that? Yeah. So it, you end up being, um, a little bit antisocial, um, because it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of early nights. So most days I try and get in, um, between an hour and a half and two hours in the morning before I, uh, before I start working. So, uh, for example, uh, this morning, uh, this was an easy day. So I did a 30 minute spin and then a, uh, an hour and a half, uh, run before I did any sort of work. And then I worked this morning and, uh, I swam over lunch. So then that leaves me like most of the day, the evening to do anything else that, uh, that I need to do. Uh, and also, like I said, uh, I do have a relatively flexible schedule and I end up working from home a lot. So just the time I save in commuting where uh, mm, like I live in Toronto, it's a big city where a lot of people are spending over an hour uh, each way uh, commuting uh, during the day. Whereas I, uh, I, you know, I'm most days working from the couch and I I've moved into when my girlfriend and I, uh, moved in together, we, uh, we moved into a condo that has a 25 meter pool. Oh, wow. So that's that, convenient. That, yeah. So that, uh, that makes, uh, means I have no excuse no, you to, really uh, don't to not do swim. <laughs> so, uh, that definitely, uh, that's definitely something that helps. And for anyone who, uh, who is hesitant to swimming, having a, uh, a pool where you live is, uh, it does make it super convenient. So when I, when I was kind of racing as an entry-level pro myself, I, I never really had the desire to quit my career to be a full-time pro. It was always, 
I've, I had a career that I loved um, and I still love and I was like, you know, I just want to see what I can do while I maintain this career. And there was, there was a limit that I was going to be able to get to as a pro because of that. Is it, uh, where do you feel? Do you want to eventually quit the career and just see if you can be a full-time pro for a while? Or is it very much kind of just exploring what you can do within the confounds you already have? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you where I'm looking to see what I can do within the confines that I have. I realize uh, you know, I was a little bit late getting into it. I'm, uh, I'm 28 now. Uh, my swimming's at a certain level where, you know, it would take years of investment in order to get it to the level that it would need to be to really be competitive. Mm. Uh, my run would have a long way to go. So I'm realistic about where I stack up in, uh, within the ranks and where realistically I can get to. So it's not something that I'm looking at, uh, uh, it's not look, something that I'm looking at doing is quitting what I do day to day. Like I, I really enjoy the competition. Uh, like the next race that I'm going to be doing is Louisville. And right now there's 43 guys on the start list for Louisville. Oh, and wow. that's something that really excites me that I hope a lot of those guys show up because I love the idea of there being like a really big field of pros, uh, to, uh, to race against. And, Said, fortunately, I don't rely on paychecks from races in order to mm, live off, and survive. So, yeah, I, I certainly don't have uh, don't have that pressure. So, I can look at races like that as something that's really exciting, as opposed to something where, oh no, like only six guys are going to walk away with a paycheck, mm. and you know, only two guys are going to probably leave that race having made any sort of money after all your expenses. So, in some ways, you have a freedom to enjoy the pro experience without the pressure of the downside of being a pro who's kind of on that kind of second tier at least. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed. Uh, I've really enjoyed this far and, uh, yeah, you don't, uh, you don't leave a race thinking like, like, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to, you know, get back to wherever I live? What are some of the best things about being, you know, what, you know, if going from an age group to being a pro, is, is there any difference? Uh, there's a little bit, I, I wasn't sure what to expect coming into, uh, this year. Like, I, something that, uh, I, one of the questions that I got is, um, a couple of people asking me like, like, what if you finish last? Like, do you think you're going to finish last? And you know, like it was a possibility. Like I had no idea what, uh, what it was going to be like. Um, the dynamics of the race are, uh, are very different because it's a lot more sparse in, in the pro fields. Like a lot of the pro races, if you have between 15 and 20 guys racing, you know, you could come out of the water and you might not see anybody, uh, for the entire time on the bike, depending wow. on, yeah. uh, depending on where you are in the field. So you don't constantly have those carrots, whereas competing as an age grouper, you know, usually unless you're a super swimmer, you're going to be passing people the entire time on the bike. You're going to be seeing lots of people. So that's something that's, uh, that's different, but I love the head to head racing. Like I love that I always know where I'm at relative mm -hmm. to everybody else because we all started together. We're all racing uh, against each other and the um, the tactical side of it. So once you're out on the run where uh, it, it's in a sense, it still is a, a an individual time trial because I only have the capabilities to race to a certain extent against everybody else. Like I'm only that level of athlete right now, but um where it gets to a certain stage where you're trying to hold on to whatever position that, uh, that you're in. And I didn't grow up doing any sort of racing, so it's relatively new to me, but I really enjoy 
actually getting to race against the other athletes. What's the plan moving forward? You know, you obviously got Louisville coming up, so it's probably your next A race. But what about next year moving forward, like in your career? What's the kind of long term? Yeah, so I'm hoping next year to be able to do um, a few different races that are just in locations that I think either it's a really awesome race or uh, just places that I've always wanted to see or visit. So I'm hoping next year to use uh, triathlon as a little bit of an opportunity to see more of the world. So one of the races that I'm looking at doing is Israman in in January, just because that's always uh, that's a race that on my radar for a couple of years it just looks like an incredible race in uh in a really cool uh in a really cool location so uh right now i'm not at a uh, level where i'd even consider looking at uh chasing points for kona so it really is just uh doing races that uh that really interest me that fit into a schedule and continuing to uh to progress to become a better athlete Nice. Um, what would you? What tips would you give for somebody who maybe you know three years back from where you are right now? Um, what's some of the wisdom that you could share with them? If someone who is maybe a, a good age group or who's contemplating going to a pro, a kind of level, what kind of things would you say to them? Yeah. So uh, you know, it's it, it is a different race in uh, in the pro race than the uh, than the age grouping race. So uh, you know, if it's someone who's looking at doing an Ironman, um, before. Uh, Something I'd say before you decide to take a pro card is you want to make sure that uh, that you can swim under an hour, uh, just because otherwise you're going to be out there or you're likely going to be out there uh, the entire time. So doing 180k on the bike on your own isn't necessarily a fun uh, a fun thing to do, and uh, you know that that would be the uh, the only kind of time related um, tip that I would give to anybody, but. You know, make sure that you're doing it for uh, for the right reasons. Like the idea of being a professional athlete. Like, um, you know, I, like I don't necessarily feel like I'm a professional athlete. I don't earn a living from mm. it. I didn't uh, decide to take a card so that I could be a professional athlete. I decided to take a pro card in order to be able to once again uh, have a big ambitious goal, uh, raise the level of competition that I uh, that I'd be competing against. So. You know, making sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, and mm-hmm. then um, if uh, if you do decide that you uh, uh, that you're going to take your pro card, then you know, it, I my training this year isn't a lot different than what the training is that I uh, did last year. And sometimes you see people in their first year as a pro, and they seem injured all the time. And I can only guess it's because suddenly you feel like you're a pro. You've got to you know, do a lot more mm. and, you know, continue doing what's worked for you and what's helped you progress to that point. Mm. So just stay on the same path and just trust in consistency and, and the evolution of yeah, your kind of Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Just, just lastly, tips for Kona. Who, 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 what are your picks for Kona? Boys um, and girls. Yeah, so on, uh, I mean, it's hard to look past on the guy side, uh, look past Ferdano. Um, I, uh, Brent McMahon won in, uh, in Lake Placid, which was my first pro Ironman. And I think he's, uh, he's due for a, uh, for a really good Kona race. He's done really well everywhere except Kona. So, uh, I think he's kind of a, a dark horse who, uh, he could have a, have a really great race, uh, on, uh, on the women's side. Like, I, I don't know how you look past Daniela. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, outside of her, I don't know that I, even have a dark horse on uh, on the uh, on the women's side, but she uh, she looked awesome in Chattanooga. 
What um, if people want to follow you, where would they go? Yeah, so I um, I actually do weekly videos. Um, so uh, the uh, actually the easiest way to find them is uh, Triathlon Magazine Canada posts them every uh, every Tuesday. So if you check out the Triathlon Magazine Canada um, uh, YouTube channel, uh, or I'm on Instagram at Daniel J Clark. It's Clark with an E. Uh, and then I, I don't have a Facebook page. I have a blog that occasionally gets updated. It's, uh, if not you, then who.ca. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Good luck. So wait a second. It's Louisville's next race, isn't it? Yeah. So it's in, uh, by the time I'm, I'm not sure when the show is going to come up, but it's the, the day after Kona. Okay. No, we're, we're putting that up in a few days. So you, you, you're well before Kona. Um, yeah. well, good luck in your next race and we'll be definitely following you moving forward. And just once again, thank you for all you're doing with Tri-Splits. Make sure you keep it up because it's a good resource. You know, I know our show loves yeah. it. So, um, yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> right, awesome, mate. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks a lot. It was interesting talking to Daniel, um, a bit like myself, like kind of had amb- it was got ambitions to go as far as he can as a pro, but but also had a life that has a life that he doesn't really want to give it up along the way, and so he's, it's very much just about his own personal growth and personal challenge, and he's got a really good attitude towards the next level. Just helps me to find a next level myself, which I really liked. Nice, fantastic. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we see him over in Kona in the next couple of years. He's also a patron of the show, John. So Excellent. yeah, so the guy's a rock star, absolute rock star. John's sponsor. Uh, we've done Athlinks and we've done Extreme Oh, look at that. No so... more sponsors. What's your gosh, John? Oh, no, let's do patrons. Patrons. Uh, so, we have Connor Sanders. Connor Sensational Sanders. Sensational. Sensational. Okay, we've got Angus the Wild Bull Boyd. And Alan F- Furious Ferret Hodgson. I bet you came up with that one. <laughs> 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 I talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com Social Network for Endurance Athletes and Extreme Endurance you elected buffer guys just a couple of things if you want to email the show you can just email us at iamtalkpodcast.gmail.com or if you want to get the show emailed to you just go to our website www.iamtalk.me and you'll see on the front page you can just put your email confirmation in there and all we do is each time we release a show we just email it to you so you, we know you've put it out or you know we've put it out there so you can do that and if you want to be a patron just go to the website it's all pretty obvious on the website Jombo what's your gosh you got your race on tomorrow what's the weather looking like it's looking okay so not uh, fantastic but not terrible which is uh, which I'll, I'll take at this time of the year so and one other thing just one other plug for us as well is we have the Camp Kia Kaha Challenge wrote in 2018 on the race is on the 1st of July so we're doing the camp the week before that so if you want to get in on that go to imtalk.me just scroll down the page and you'll see it down the bottom and get in touch because we only have unlimited spaces on the camp so get in touch and you get uh, entry into the race as well which is uh, full so there's no other way in so uh, come join us and, and this is a bucket list race for any, and Jesus mm. should be a bucket list race for any triathlete in the world um, but to do it around the camp is makes a bucket list race just an even more amazing experience. I'm just looking at the picture that we've actually got on our website. It's a picture of somebody just starting to climb up Solberg Hill and it is just mental. There is at least five deep each side and you basically can't see the road. And well, it's it funny because is- I remember you riding up there and like one thing about John as an athlete, if when he's racing, he's a focused athlete. You don't get much love out of John. And... Um, and I saw you coming up, and even you had the smile on your face. Even your yes. eyes came alive. 
it was pretty full on and it is a unique experience and i've been around for a while you won't get that experience anywhere else in the world i haven't had that experience anywhere else in the world yes you got crowds in different places that are really fanatic and full-on but this is uh it's, it's another level and, and it, yeah it's pretty special guys if you want to come to camp it's on www.imtalk.me john your goss my goss bevan since tuesday what's been going on since tuesday did you get your Not killer's tickets sorry your killer's tickets to the concert yes must have done yeah you must have done <laughs> yeah do you like that you'd like the killers wouldn't you I'm sure I would. I'm oh. sure I would. You don't, you don't even know the killers. Mm. You would know the killers. I know the name of the killers, and yeah. but I can't recall any of their songs off the off the cuff. So no, not much has been happening since Tuesday. Bevan, we've got the last round of the JD Duathlon tomorrow morning, and then uh, settling in. School holidays starting, so that's the focus. And then uh, we're off to Kaiteri next week. So just getting it. We saw you out with this morning, Bevan. You know, out yep. vandalising our streets yet again on a Saturday yep. morning. That's how we roll. Phil and I were doing uh, 15, I was helping Phil out. We did 15Ks at his, uh, I, uh, not his Ironman, his marathon pace for Auckland. What's so his goal for Auckland? He's got to run, I think it's 2.55, New York qualifying time, which yeah. I think is 2.55. or think maybe 2.56. Okay, well, I think he wants to run about 2.55. So we were running uh, four minutes, we were supposed to be running four minutes 10 per K for 15Ks, but uh, we got a little bit excited and we didn't have many Ks that were 4.10. Most of them were closer to four minutes or under 4.05. So good run. How's, it, how's his training going? He's ticking along, he'll be okay. He holds it together. If he holds four, it. four weeks to go. Oh, so he's in the big he's in the big yards right now. Hmm. Other than that, Bevan, not much going on. What about yourself? What are you doing you're the first in, week of the, What are you doing the first week of the holidays? Uh, I lock my door. Oh, really? Yeah, get out probably, of here. Probably put on some headphones for most of the day. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Second week we go to Kaiteri. So that's when you get my. That's when you get some of my attention, kids. That's when you get some of my love. Mm. Um. Yes. I'm, well, I'm going to Amsterdam tomorrow. Well, release Tuesday, so I'll, I'll be in Amsterdam practicing my work. Um, I haven't done any packing or anything yet, John. But that's all right. Mm-hmm. Are you a last-minute packer, or are you pack three weeks yeah, before you go? Especially when you're going for something like that. Yeah, oh. if you're not going for a race, oh, it's a joke, John. Yeah, I'm not even yeah. going to pack. I'm just going to go. Yeah, yeah. just do it. You've been, and you're applying first class. No, I'm not that important. Work's never paid for me to go business. Never. No, I've, I've, through work, I've got a few upgrades just because I've flown me all around the world, but. I'm just not that important, John. You just got to put your foot down. Mm. Show them who's boss. Well, I will then, eh? I'll ring them tonight. Yeah. Look, I want an upgrade to first class. I did look at going on in New Zealand. So you, nowadays they have, they have that bidding. Have you, mm-hmm. have you ever done that? I, I haven't, but because I, I, I was going to one time, but then I realized you had to bid quite a bit. I thought, oh, I'll bid $1. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't quite work like well, that. Well, it wasn't that. So, so coming back from LA, which is about a 12-hour flight to Auckland, Right. The yeah. the lowest you can bid is three hundred and fifty mm. for an upgrade. And I thought oh, it could be worth doing, but then I thought I'm a tight ass. I don't mind for ten hours of my life. Exactly. So, I, 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 yeah, and then the, the three hundred and fifty is not guaranteed. So, mm. but other than that, John, actually, it's pretty cool. I'm going over to Amsterdam and stuff. If you, I work for a company called Les Mills, and I've been very fortunate to kind of be at their highest level for a long time. And we're we're doing Body Attack one hundred, which is a big, big thing in Les Mills, and uh, I'm going to be teaching it to thousands of people, which is kind of cool, but it's got a significant thing in my life, so it's, I'm, I'm kind of really looking forward to it, looking forward to going and do some good work, and yeah, it's going to be a special moment, John. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, it'll be good. Anyway, let's rock and roll. We will be back next week. Uh, Jombo, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. 
Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.